this is a recording of the speech in Shul on Shabbos Day, Parshas, Parshas Talazites. Shabbos. The I'd like to begin by welcoming Representative Berger was with us for Shabbos. Representative Bunim is not only the father-in-law of Sixteen, and he had enough benefit from me this summer that I kept up with him since. And now he's a Robert Muncy. I wish him much aflaha. He should continue being able to positively influence everybody in the community in Kali Yisrael. I wish him we should see him many more times in Pesach of Simchas. As uh, everybody who's been coming here for the last month plus knows we've been discussing the current events, the Quran, and various different things as they relate to Isaac Amatsev and Eretz Rome. Last night we discussed the problem of Aisha, and I'm not going to get into it again now. What I would like to discuss today is the parade. Everybody or the rally, whatever the uh, exact terminology is for the for the event that took place in Washington D.C. this week. So, as, as you know, it was a whole a whole patchka to get there. It's like the Gemara says in Chagig on Hammond Bay, the Gemara talks about they the Gemara talks about the. Uh, um, Mark talks about the the person who Mamish is going around a whole year missions of missions of to make himself crazy to be able to get to Yeshiva for just a very limited period of time. They made fun of the golden bar be rav Here we Mamish. I was lucky, I guess, right? We went on the bus all day. Well, at least we got a couple of hours there. I, I know my sister, my brother in law's family. They um they they were from Long Island, so the I guess the buses were were more traffic to get there. They literally were only there for like fifteen, twenty minutes, very short time. Nevertheless, people persevered and they pushed, they pushed in order to be able to get there. And you know, I was there. Um I thought about the Gemara in the end of Brachas, the Gemara says in Aleph, that Araya Uchla say Israel, somebody who sees Rashi says Khel God also sees him evil. You see a big, big crowd of six hundred thousand. You make a bracha of Chachamarozim. The Rambam understands that this bracha is very good. The Rambam understands that as being a, a uh, according to the Rambam, you only make the bracha of Chachamarozim uh, when you see Shishim Riboy in Eretz Yisrael, but not not in the Chutzlor. It's interesting because the Gemara there in the Chesam of Beis, the Gemara there brings out a Maisa 
with Rav Papa and Rav Huna Brady Rav Yeshua, who met uh, Rabbi Chanina Ben Ben uh, Ben Iga, that when they were um, uh, meeting each other, they hadn't seen each other in a while, so they had like a brachas standoff. So Rav Papa and Rav Yeshua, I'm sorry, Rav Papa and Rav Huna, where Rav Yeshua say to Chanina, they say to him. You know, when we saw you coming, we were so excited. We said Shachiyanu, and we said Shachod Mechal Mosel Liraev. The Brachah they make when you see Tamer Chachamim. So he said back to them, "Yeah, uh-huh. I, I said, of course, those two Brachahs when I saw you guys coming, but you two are so chashiv to me. You like chashiv like Shishim Miboy. I also made the Brachah Chacham Marazim. So Rav Papa and Rav Huna, Rav Yehoshua, were not pleased." So Yehovah Behena, they gave him the eye, and he died. They weren't very pleased with his brachas stand-up, uh, that he out-brachas them. So when I was there, I figured myself about the, uh, the the fact that, you know, maybe this wasn't a full ochlis, maybe it's not a full shishim riway, it says maybe 300,000 and a half. So maybe you can say the brachas, you know, we normally say, well, not to say the bracha. So, okay, so maybe you have to say, but, but it was that kind of a, a gathering that inspiring that many people that there there ought to be some sort of a bracha, especially you realize how much people gave up, but gave up a day, so their productivity, their business, whatever their jobs were, they gave up so much time to be able to do this. It's like Hashiva's almost like a Shishimiru. But you may have heard that certainly was going around that there were some people who suggested not to go. And the the main reason never to go to these kinds of things, as I recall, is in relation to Bittal Tzairo. In the early, in the mid-90s, I was a, um, I was learning in Yeshiva called Beis Yisrael. And the Yeshiva of that Yeshiva name was Daniel Lerfeld. And I remember Daniel Lerfeld learned me with Chavrusa second Seder. And that second Seder Chavrusa shop was, uh, you know, every day for the for the year, and um, it was a very interesting experience. Not going to get more into it now, except to say that there was a big Afghan I think it was about some gears issues, some some army issues. But I'm not 100 percent clear on exactly what the rally was about. All I know is that Valyasha said that everyone has to go to the rally, and there's no exception. There's no exception. Everyone has to go to the rally, and this is. They all said everyone has to go to the rally, and, and there's no exception. Meaning, even B'nai Shiva, even the Kurl, you know, everybody has to go to the rally, no exception. That, then they would have seen that, and that would be their result. But I'll never forget, second Seder is empty. There's no one there. The only, buddy, the only people who are there is the Rosh Shiva or Rosh Shiva me. Why didn't I go to the rally? Because Rabbi Lippel said to me, Rabbi Yashiv, it's very nice, but this is Bittal Terah, <laughs> so we're not going to the rally. We're learning. So I thought to myself, then I think to myself now, that's Bittal Terah for you. You're learning. You learn all the time. All your whole life is just Terah. But me, that's not the same. For me, it's not like it's such huge Bittal Terah. I should have, you know, I was very interested to go. I still regret not having gone, but but uh, 
somebody's holding at such a level of where, where they mamish every moment is utilized appropriately, and they're so concerned about bittul tzairah. So fantastic! Such a person is not meant to be going to these kinds of rallies. Second objection was issued by certain uh, rabbis. The people who are going to be speaking at the rally, at the parade, they're not, they're not anash. They're not uh, the kind of people that we normally would deal with, uh, normatively uh, you know, be listening to. And so therefore, people should be aware of this and you know, ideally not to go already there, then effectively not to change their plans, but, but they should understand. Uh, there was also a lot of consternation for people. I'm not going to get into that, but I think that was exactly deliberately planned. And again, there's a, uh, I think, a, a, a good reason for it. And really, um, you know, if uh, somebody's curious to know, we can talk about it outside of, of Shul. The third reason, though, is one of the reason I would like to focus on in terms of not going to these kinds of rallies or parades and the like. And this third reason is based upon the Shalosh Shavuot. The Shalosh as we know, has many different versions of this. The Shalosh Shavuot, the two Shavuot, four Shavuot, six Shavuot, all different types of measures of the Shavuot. But among among the most famous um among the most famous expositions of the of the Shavuot is the Gemara in Ksubis Kofiralev. The Gemara tells us there that the three Shavuot are Shalei Al Kachemah up there. It's Shalei Shalimidu Umayis, and for the Umayis Shalei Shtabdu Yisrael Yisem Midai. So these are the three Shavuot, and the Shalei Yimidu Umayis means that we're not meant to take a radical approach. We're not meant to challenge the direction of the regnant government. Whatever the government says, that's what we're supposed to be listening to, that's what we're supposed to be adhering to. And so therefore, a time-honored approaching class, so several were suggesting not to go to the rally. So you didn't, don't get up to make the voice heard. I got from Moshe Feinstein writes in a famous letter that one is, must vote, as a matter of course, I'm sorry if he wants to time, time it, but that one has to vote. So one exercises their, their uh, opinion in the voting booth, what exercises their opinion in the voting booth? But to go to Afghanistan, to go to a rally, a parade, or these kind of things, that's not the appropriate, that's not the appropriate, that's not the appropriate approach. That's not the appropriate approach, says uh, these various different rabbis who uh, suggest that it's wrong for folks to be going to this Hafkana, to be going to this parade or this march, whatever the exact terminology is. And the basis, again, as I say, is this Gemara, this, this is uh, one of the Shoshua. On this, we can, we can discuss or debate the topic on two sides. I first want to give the side that Understands the Shalayim Rebbeumayit as preventing protests, as preventing rallies, and then we'll give the other side. So this, of course, necessitates us to go look in the Ayel Meisha, go look at the Tzad Merovs, 
And over there, he spends a lot of time on the Shoshuot. And of course, he takes the Shoshuot very, very seriously, very literally, and it requires us that the language of the Satmarov, that these are Mamashari Bayab, these are extremely serious, these are the most commentary things in the Torah. To that kind of a degree, one must pay heed to the Shoshuot. This is the approach to the Satmarov. Among the riots that he brings, it's the famous Maral, that's the Chetzal Parak of Dalit. The Maral there says, in effect, that the Shoshuot are an incredibly unnatural thing. They are not normal. And the Torah, the Chazal, are bringing down that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was Mashbi'a B'nai Yitzvam Te'yuvim Te'iru Esra'av Ha'achetekbat the Chazal felt that we are not able to arouse the love, we're not able to do anything in an active way until such time as the ghoulish lemo happens. And this is unnatural. Naturally, that would not be normal to expect thing of such a people. The similar survival is unnatural. It's all unnatural. It's not normative. That a person should take being slapped down and beaten down and just accept it and nevertheless they'll survive and survive. It's not a normal thing. Says the Maral, we need to adhere to the exact ingredients of the approach that Chazal laid out for us. We can't change from it an iota. And, says the Maral, that these Shavuots were done even if they want to destroy us, right? Even if the guy are trying to hurt us terribly, we don't violate the Shavuot. So like a Yaharig Valley They said they get deadly Herbaland. Everyone knows I'm an Herbalander, so of course I have to explain the opinions of the Herbaland which are quoted by the Vayel Mesha in the Mamar of Yishav Ha'aret. The uh, also to point out that the Samar also quotes him, but another great luminary from Guinness and Ivishitz writes the same. He writes that even if the Gaim were to come and to tell you, listen, let's move there to throw, there's not going to be any issue about Yalot or Chem, which we don't permission. The Gaim are saying, let's go, let's go, come move there to throw. You're not allowed to go. Not allowed to go before Mashiach's time. I can tell you that the Yisab never quotes in the Vayel Mashiach, never quotes the Menchah the Lazar. He also never quotes, he also never quotes of Shamshbel Hirsch. Shamshbel Hirsch I'm not sure if he was familiar with any of his works or not. Rav Shashvil Hirsch three times, uh, uh, since the three times, three different terms, more than three times, but three, in three different terms, in his Chayrev, which is his summation of Jewish law, in his Shemesh Marp in the Shalas and Shubit, and in his commentary on the Tvila, and there could be other places also which I haven't yet seen. Rav Shashvil Hirsch writes that, that, the Shuas are absolutely valid, and they are absolutely binding. And one cannot be a firm Jew, adhering to a Jewish law, and violate these Shuas. What does that mean? That means that one may not rebel against the nation, says the Shabbat Paul Hirsch. If the government they violated their Shuas, that's their problem. We cannot violate ours. And the Shua about not being married by Umay, not being Yalakhama, this is absolute sacrosanct 
and obligatory on each and every one of us. But just to focus for a minute on the Shu of Shalim and Dubu the 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 Satmarav there in the Mamishav are the the Satmarav there and on the on the sorry the Mamar of the Shul Shvuz the Satmarav brings down on Shalayim Dubuumai he says like this he quotes Rabbi Avram Galante who was a rabbi in in Spain in Portugal I don't know exactly um, writing. In his commentary on the Pirkei Avos, that by the Geir Svar in Portugal at that time of the Inquisition, at the time that they expelled the Jews out of Spain and Portugal, they did some sort of alias neshama, and they um, went up to find out. Like Rishmol ben Elisha, the Gemara says in the beginning, Brachas, should they should they fight back? Should they do something about this? And um, and uh, the what he called the uh, the answer came back no, no, <laughs> don't fight back, accept it. And this the time of this not quote, but Oliver Cromwell, the Lord Protector of England in the 1660s, when there was a period where there wasn't England wasn't ruled by the king by the queen, so Oliver Cromwell was the leader. He was the Lord Protector, and at that time there was a community of Jews living in England. They were they were people who had been expelled, descendants of the people who were expelled from Spain and Portugal. And they were living very quiet. Still a height. They didn't have a shul, they didn't have regular uh, uh sort of uh, gathering. They gathered from time to time, made a quorum, but it was all done. Still a height, it was done without being formally a shul, formally a minion, formally being Jews. Why? Because remember on the books in England there was a law passed already by the time of the uh, 1290s by the, the expulsion of the Jews from England after the massacre at York, they managed to destroy the whole community of Jews. The Jews are not allowed to live in England. So if Jews are not allowed to live in the, in the United Kingdom, so, so the only way to get the Jews to be able to be let back in was to intercede on behalf of the Jewish people with the Lord Protector, with Oliver Cromwell himself. Menashe ben Israel, Menashe ben Yisrael, was the Rav then in Amsterdam, who, for whom we owe the um, reinsertion back into our land of Shemesh, right, because of the fact that they had taken it out, because they said he written with the Gematria of Yeshu. So they had taken it out of the, uh, of the, uh, of the sitter, and that's why I think even to this today, maybe they still have it with parentheses, but he had fought hard to put it back in once the Jews were in a living with a place of tolerance. So he wrote a letter to Oliver Cromwell and he writes to the Lord Protector. He says, listen, you have to understand that you're Jewish, you're Jewish, you're Jewish uh, uh, citizens. They are very obedient. They are very loyal. They won't do anything to upset the realm, to upset you. He says, in fact, even if you harm them, they won't do anything negative against you. Because look what happened in Spain and Portugal. Look what happened. They were taken away. They were thrown out of the place. And they lost all of their wealth. And they lost everything. Their property. They lived there for hundreds of years. The golden age of Spain, right? The golden age of the Jewish people lived in those areas. And they lost it all. And did they fight? They didn't fight back in Iota. They didn't fight back at all. 
So what does that mean? They didn't fight back at all. It means, says Menashe ben Israel, to the Lord protector, Oliver Cromwell, it means that you're going to get their obedience and their obedience and their quiescence and their acquiescence. You're going to get it all. You will not find the more obedient people and the easier people to work with. This was the vart that Menashe ben Israel used to convince Cromwell to let the Jews start living openly as citizens to start welcoming Jews to come into England. That means to say that is something that is taken very, very seriously. We do not have time to go into now, but there are Mamish people who wanted to suggest that that was part of the problem in, with the Warsaw Ghetto and the fighting back of the Germans. Like, I'm not going to get into that now. It's a, there's a much longer topic, but that's how far, that's how serious, that's how wide people have taken the Shavua of Shavuah Yimadubu Umar. Now, what, what I would like to uh, hopefully have done is, and you will agree, is that we have shown, uh, and by the way, we can add to that, is one other Gemari, Gemari says in Baba Vashon, the Maestro holds Maestro with Dovim and Buddha. The Gemara says there, Maestro above Ben Buta, that that he had um, that he had um, uh, a, a meeting with Herod with Hordes, Hordes that killed all the Benachachamim, and and he Ben Buta was blind by then because of something that Hordes had done, and they they met, and he wanted to get above Ben Buta to say something negative about the kingdom about Hordes, and he refused. And he tries all different ways to try to get him to say something negative about him, and he won't say it. And and um, the Hordes, the Herod, king, says, had I known how much caution, how much tact, how much, how the rabbis were so careful, I would never have killed him. And he wants to know what he can do to make it up for it. And that's why he ends up building this incredible second bias that that uh, the rabbis were so in the spoil and the bias, the bias that Zordis had built, built it as a penance, as in a way of trying to atone for having killed out all the rabbis. That is to say, the, the, we see from Bava Mabuta is we don't mess around. We don't mess around with the government. We don't mess around at all. We take things quietly. You're still a hype. We don't fight back. So we've shown now this notion of in a very significant way, in a very strong way, and we've we've uh, defended the side of the Satanarov to the nth degree. But now I'd like to disagree with it and show you the other side. The other side, this Pashat, I'll give you three reasons, four reasons as to why this is not an issue at all. Going to the protest, protest the rally, the march, the parade, whatever they call it exactly, was not a problem of Shalim and Why not? Because, number one, the Shalashvuas, the Gemara, it's not got it, the Gemara, it's not a lack of Gemara, it's not a lack of finding. Yeah, the, the, the Sadmarav and his Bible Shalashvuas goes to town and makes the Shalashvuas into uh, the Argvayavra, into the most important mitzvah. But the reality is, it's simply not a halacha. Never appeared in the Ramah, doesn't appear in the Torah, doesn't appear in the Shal, doesn't appear in the Shal, doesn't appear anywhere in halachic work. Sure, you have the morale, you have a few outliers. We happen to go through the outliers today, the morale, the, 
They uh it's a time shift the Rashmarz, yeah, okay, there's a few allies who say the Shol Shavuot are something that is so important, so vital, it's much like a, like a halacha obligatory, but the normative halacha, black letter law, does not think so. That is the first basic approach. And you might want to say, yep, and the Samarov does say that the reason that the Shur and the Shulchan don't bring it down, the Archa and everybody doesn't bring it down, is because of the fact that they can never imagine a situation where there was going to be a state of Israel. So they can't bring it down because they can't even account and never imagine that this is a practical halacha. But of course, what about the Rambam? The Rambam, at the end of the day, he feels that you listen to, um, you just simply need the Tanakh and his work, and that's sufficient. You really can get the whole Tarsh Balpeh just from his mission and Torah. He's going to talk about halachas whether they once applied, or they don't, even if they don't apply today, or if they will apply even if they don't apply today. So if the rabbi was willing to say every single halacha ever that could be obligatory at any point in time in history, and it doesn't have to be applicable in his day and age in order for him to discuss it, so why doesn't he mention, in fact, this halacha of the Shalosh if it's really a halacha? Right? After all, like the Megillah says, who wants to tie in the Shalosh come along and the gate, the whole Mitzvah of Eretz Yisrael. The clear the Pasha answer is obviously the Ram didn't hold that. He holds the mission of Hakom Island in the and the Subas on Kofiyodama Bays that and he brings out the Allah that husband can force the wife, wife can force the husband to make Aliyah or or um, or to get divorced. Obviously he wouldn't have a, a divorce being allowed in the situation it wasn't the mitzvah that was a Daraisa. And the same way that Evan would go free if the master would make you redop. Or if Evan wants to run there, it's Shalom. The master doesn't so another Jewish person. He goes free. So clearly the Ramah is clearly talking about a situation in the Israel is alive and well and an absolute mitzvah. That's why the Ramah doesn't count it again. Not for now, for another time. So we end the situation where the Ramah clearly holds the mitzvah Israel. So it doesn't hold the social of any halachic heft whatsoever. But according to Sam Rav, the Rambam is taking any halacha ever, and he's going to put it down to his work, regardless of its applicability in his day and age. So then why not mention the Shoshua? That's the top of a clever answer. The answer is, is that it was brought up in the Igeris Taman. Igeris Taman, the Rambam was writing to a situation of Jews where they found themselves in, in, a, in a, a time where it was difficult because it was a person who was creating a syncretic religion between uh, some sort of amalgamation, a mixture of Islam and Yadot, and he was trying to convert the Jews to his new sort of uh, combination religion of, of Judaism and Islam. And the Rambam there writes that they shouldn't fight against him. Why? Because of the Shul of Shleim and And he's trying to convince them and persuade them that to become things are going to get better. So you see, he says that the Islam are up. see, the Rambam used the Shul Shavuot with Halachic, um, uh, with Halachic heft. So therefore, he didn't have to mention again on the mission of Zayrava. In my humble opinion, this is not a satisfactory answer. The Ramam, the fact that he mentioned it in a letter, is very nice and well, but it certainly cannot be deemed to be in any way at the level of having mentioned it in the mission of Zayrava itself. So that's number one, is that the, the Shoshua is so simply like Arata, they're not actually binding at all. So if Shalim would do Umay, it's something that would suggest not to go to a rally or not to go to a parade. It's really not halakhically managed. 
That's the first answer. The second answer I'd like to give is an answer that is explicitly rejected by the Satmarav, by the um, by the Maral, by Shashmal Hirsch, but to my mind it's still a very, very, very strong answer, much stronger than the objection. And that is, there was a Shavuot that I got with Mashbiyah, the Umayt. The Jewish people have two Shavuot, which are related, Shalayal, Kacham, Shalayim, the Umayt. And the Gain actually started to be so yet to me die. The Gain didn't keep their Shavuot. They did so many programs and so many inquisitions and blood libels and and Holocaust and all the pogroms that have happened and all the terrible things that have happened to Jewish people over the last thousands of years. Such things literally were once might and Becholiyim. So if they violated their Shavuot, why am I going to keep mine? The Shavuot seems to be, in effect, related to each other. We're going into Golas and I go to Shavuot because we not to leave the Golas too early. Not to go and rebel against the nations, not to go up like a wall to Jerusalem to Territory Israel. He's also warning the guy that we're not going to be in Gaza, we shouldn't be treated too harshly. If the guy are treating us too harshly, so that maybe we do have a right to the fact that they violated their shore. We can violate ours. Say the Maral, say the Shashra uh, Hurst, no, that's on them. Their violation of the shore is not mattered for me. It just simply says that. What they're doing is inappropriate, it's wrong, but it doesn't help me. It doesn't do anything for me uh, in terms of allowing me, after me, permitting me. Our shavuot are independent of each other. But I'd like to give you a third reason about how I know that Shalim and Ubumite, even if it's taken literally, even if it's done as soon as the law can be binding, obviously has no impact on going to rallies or protests or marches. That is because every time there's a march, that's for Israel. Every time there's a march that's against Israel, I see the Torah character at the march. The Torah character is at all the marches. Why is the Torah character at all the marches? Obviously, they don't feel Shlomo Dubuma. It's a problem. When they're going to a march, when there's a salute to Israel parade, and they're going to march against the salute to Israel parade, or they're going to march with the Palestinians or the pro-Palestinians for the glorifying what happened on October 7th. Now, these situations, the government of the United States supports this. So the government of the United States condemns it. It says that as a matter of its foreign policy, Israel is a very important and dear friend to it. So you're being married to Umayyad, but you're going and saying the opposite. Shouldn't you keep your voice down? The Torah character doesn't feel that it's a problem should you do Umayyad. That I should not be from the Torah character. These are the people who made the show of into their whole life. I don't have to be more from it than that. If Shalim and Dumois doesn't include their protest, then it's not going to include mine. I'd like to give you now a fourth reason about why it's not a problem to protest. And the answer is partially the Zion and Bachusa. Zion and Bachusa, the Mayim of Shmuel appears four times in Shas, Naktev, Zerai, Zerabonon. But it is clear that it's black letter for Lord. Zion and Bachusa, Zion says, the Ran and the Dharm Chavchaz, that the basis of this is the king is a melech. He owns all of the land. You're living there on his pleasure. And he can get rid of you. He can throw you out of the land. So therefore, you have to keep what he says. That's Dino de Malchusa, Dino. That's the underlying understanding of the rat of Dino de Malchusa. And therefore, of course, it comes to the famous community of Eretzitzel, which is not given over to a king. It's, it's the knuckle of Eretzitzel for the Jewish people. So therefore, no king has the right over it. So therefore, it will be on Dino de Malchusa there. 
because there's nobody in control. There's nobody in the crowd. Therefore, someone that's in Christ can want to use the rod to try to set his own dinner in the Bafusa. However, that is incorrect. Because the partial understanding of dinner in the Bafusa is not on the basis of the rod, but it's based on the Rashbab and Barbashim is not on the basis. But the Rashbab said that the basis, the reason of dinner in the Bafusa, Dina, is predicated on the fact that the cold banana, the cold banana malchus, the capital of land, they're all accepting upon themselves the laws of this kingdom. That is, it's a democratic acceptance of, of a certain system of government that makes that system of government binding. When you are living in the land of the realm of a king, you are, by living there, are the king. Or in a democracy, you have voted in certain rulers, certain approach to government. So that's why it's binding. Dina the Malchus is based upon the acceptance of the people, the consent of the governed to be governed, and that makes it Dina the Malchus. And of course, that would apply to so it applies obviously everywhere else in the world as well. Says the uh, the Rashbam. That's the basis. That's the underpinning of Dina the Malchus. When America was founded, after the Declaration of Independence, America had to fight a war of independence against England. After the War of Independence was won in 1776, they they uh, they declared war. Then after the war was won, until they set up 1779, until after they set up the Constitution of the United States, about 10 years passed. And during those 10 years, there was a Articles of Confederation, like the Confederate States of America later on, they wanted to bring back Massachusetts, they want to be understood as the Confederate States of America, not the United States of America. This is a fundamental difference between a Confederacy and a United. What's the difference? A Confederacy is a loose amalgamation of the states. They come together when necessary to fight a war. It's like the it's like the Shvatim. when they want to want to fight, they have to muster up an army, so then they come together. But otherwise, every state lives different. Every state lives separately. The United States of America means that. It's not the states. It's based upon one federal government for all of the states. How do they get the United States passed when people prefer to have more of a confederacy? The answer is simply because it wasn't working. They couldn't print money. They needed to have a bigger state, a bigger country to be able to, to print money. It wasn't going to be worthless. Every state can have their own money. It's simply never going to work. If they're going to each have their own army. It's not going to work. They have to put things together. You have to make it in a way of stronger union. So the only way they can get the Constitution passed is through the weaker states that they need to have a Bill of Rights. Otherwise, they can have a tyranny of the majority. What's the first of the Bill of Rights? First of the Bill of Rights, the initial, uh, initial Bill of Rights was 10. The first of the 10 deals with the freedom of speech, the freedom of assembly, the freedom of religion. This is the predicated, America is predicated on these freedoms. hear your voice. We want to hear the voice of the minority, the voice of the oppressed, the voice of the ones that have the problem. Like the mission they do, it tells us, the first paragraph, the mission tells us, that why did Rabbi Yudha not say, bring the Dibra'iyaka and Israel Rabbi, but no pass on the other, pass on the Rabbi, and the answer was that there's going to be a potential be a generation that's going to need it to pass differently, so they need to know what is the plethora of opinions, what is the realm of opinions that one could pass in life. It is not just the approach of the regs of halacha, we need to know all the Yeshua's, we need to know all the people that are being chaylik on that. And in the same way here, America understands that at times there's going to be 
<laughs> more people that would like, let's say Republicans or Whigs in power. Other times we want more of the Democrats or the Socialists or who knows, whatever, in power. People change. Things change. The only way things can change is to be responsive to the people. If you allow there to be freedom of assembly, freedom of speech, if you allow there to be freedom of the press and all of these various different freedoms that people need in order to be able to get their ideas out there. So you want to know why you're allowed to protest? Because fundamentally, this is not a, a, a flaw of the system. This is a feature of the system. This is what Americans can base on. This is what the whole premise of a liberal democracy is all about. So this explains to us why it's not a problem to go to these protests, the rallies, the marches, whatever the exact terminology is. It's not an issue at all. The question is, why should we protest? Why should we go to these rallies? What's the point? Why do we have to do it? So I say to you, Pasha, Avraham Avinu started off down the generation of protesting. Unlike Noach, he wasn't quiescent. He just accept the idea that God was going to bring a marvel to the world, and that's it. I'm just going to accept it and, and, and not challenge it. No. Avram challenged when Hashem says he's going to go to destroy the Tzadim. Avram says, Maybe it's, you know, 40 and 30 and all the numbers that he went through before he was finally convinced to let it go. And the reason? Because fundamentally, a Jew stands up for what they think is right. I'll give you another example. Mordechai Tzadik. Mordechai. In the times of the Megillus Esther, right, he goes and refuses to bow down to Ahmed. But over there, over there is a command. The king said they have to bow down to Ahmed. So I want to put in that uh, it was a gechka. Ahmed had a tail around his neck. It was a gechka. He made himself into a gechka. That's what everybody, you know, uh, was bowing down to. Mordecai was standing up a thwart, standing a thwart of what was going on because he wanted to make a kolker. He was making an opinion known. His daster is that one shouldn't be doing such a thing. But as a matter of Pashim Shad, that's not, that's not what happened. As a matter of Pashim Shad, it's not clear at all that, that Haman had just made himself up like a Gatchka at all. In fact, what seems to be the case is that Marcha had his reasons, whatever the reasons were, not to bow down. Marcha didn't want to bow down. He had his reasons. He's He's entitled to his reasons. But not everybody agreed because of all the trouble that it brought the Jewish people which eventually they got saved from through part of the working of Mordechai. People, as Miguel tells us, Mordechai was only rough to the right back And there's certain commentators, Marikar among them, who say that why was Mordechai only rough to the right Why not to Koachov? Suggest these Mepharshim. Uh, and the reason is because of the fact that Mordechai was facing those who accused him of the fireman pyromaniac problem. You can look it up. Was the fireman power maniac? A lot of times you have a fireman who just needs to always be getting accolades and kudos and a big kayak for for having saved people, for having you know done a good work of putting out the fire. So Mordechai has a fireman power maniac problem where he caused the problems, he caused the issues. And now when he saves that people, <coughs> he wants the Asher kayak. No, that's why he was only wrote to the Roy Vachov, according to these commentaries. So what we see from Mordechai is that he made a protest. Again, whatever his reasons were, the king said, oh, Lord, Mordechai said no. And of course, we don't need to have um, riots just from that time. We can bring a riot from the early 1940s, 
when the rabbis went to make a protest in Washington, D.C. to let President Roosevelt know about the destruction of European Jewry. And the Jewish establishment at the time was very, 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 and I repeat, very against this protest. They said it was inappropriate, uncouth, not right. All the reasons that they gave for why this protest should not go ahead. And here the the Aguda and the Mizrahi they united to make the to make the protest. Um, and the foreign rabbis went, and they tried to deliver the letter to President Roosevelt. He, he ran away and ended up getting the newspapers anyway. They didn't listen to the Jewish establishment. They wanted it to be. Not <laughs> They wanted them to be Mizidin. They wanted them to know there's no uncertain terms that the European Jewry is being exterminated, and you need to do something. Even though President Roosevelt didn't do anything about it, they made their cause heard, even though they knew it was a brachalatal and it wasn't going to happen, blah, blah, blah. They didn't care. They made their voice heard. Umar tells us in Shabbos and Dalit that somebody who's able to be mecha to his to his to his to his family, or to his b'nei iroi, or the kola elam kulai, somebody's able to do this kind of a, a protest, the way you could make a point clear, and he's not mecha, he doesn't, doesn't stop, he doesn't say anything. Is nitzvah salbenei beisai nitzvah salbenei irai nitzvah salkola ulam kulai. He's going to be also lit in divicheshben on what he did in protest, what he didn't stand up to say anything about. We're living now in a time when Osama bin Laden, his letter to America, is achieving millions of of, of likes, of, of tweets, of all these kind of pats on the back. People are saying this is great. I had such a good vart. Now I understand finally. Mind-boggling, unbelievable. But Osama bin Laden's letter to America is becoming so popular, becoming so amazingly out there that people are finding this justified to do the attack on 9-11. You have people around the world saying that October 7th is 100% justified. Remember the job of the Jewish people is to be in Arlagoy, and the job of the Jewish people is not just to be done by our Baruch It's not just us living in our little vehicle doing our own we have to remind the world of who we are, what we stand for, what is the right morality. A world got to wash, a world got to rye, a world that's gone absolutely bonkers and doesn't understand that killing babies, burning babies is not something that any human being should ever countenance. It's a world where the Jew needs to stand up and say, I stand athwart, I stand connected, I disagree, I oppose. This is the basis and the reason that we have to go to this protest, to this march, to this rally. We need to remind the world of what is, in fact, morality. And remember that it's not just in the protest which we remind the world of the appropriateness of our cause, but also the way we protested. There was no littering and loitering. There was no violence. People went. They heard the speeches. They went back home. Nobody was arrested. There was no fighting with the police. There was no desecrating or defacing or defecating or any of the other things that happened in all these other protests. Not by ours. We show, I think it's Sandra, the Kol we show, we raise our voice, we make it heard. Whether they listen, ultimately it's up to them. 
we're doing our Ishtadlet, so that we're not going to be Nitzvah Lakol Ha'olam Kuloi. HaKadosh Baruch Hu should vinch us all, that we should be able to move from this topic to be able to move on to talking about other things, because the B.S. Girl said it, may have made a good job.